Welcome to the Property Magic Podcast. My name is Simon Zucci, and in this podcast, I'm going to deep dive into the property investing strategies and investor mindset for my book, Property Magic. I will also share real estate investing hints, tips, and tricks, which I normally only share on my Property Mastermind Mentorship. Hello, and welcome to episode number 43 of the Property Magic Podcast. People often ask me what I think will happen to the property market. And particularly now, lots of people are asking me that. So I believe it would be really useful to share some thoughts with you about this. So in this episode, I wanna share with you how to predict the property market, how to spot market trends and how they might affect the market, and when should you be investing. But first of all, a disclaimer here. I have to admit, I don't know what will happen to property prices. This is just guesses based on what I think is going on. And frankly, no one really knows what's happening. The property market, like every market, is of course cyclical. Sometimes it goes up and sometimes it comes down. However, based on certain influencing factors, you should be able to work out which way property prices will go for a period of years. Now, these factors include, first of all, the supply and demand in the market. Secondly, the intention of the population. Next, availability of finance. Fourth, affordability of property. And finally, the media and general public sentiment. Now, let's touch on each of these factors in turn to see how they affect property prices. First factor is obviously supply and demand. Now, one of the best things about investing in the UK is the fundamentals regarding supply and demand. It's really important to remember that in the UK, we have an increasing population, and that is due to increasing birth rates. It's due to longer life expectancy, so we're all living longer. So generally, the population is increasing. And if you look at the supply side, there is not enough accommodation in the UK and we're not building enough to keep up with the demand. Now, this is one of the reasons that I think the government has made the recent changes to permitted development rights. And they want to kickstart the economy with their build, build, build campaign. But what this means is it's going to be easier to convert commercial property into residential. And they want people to do that to increase the supply of accommodation. So this is great news if you're into property development because there are gonna be far more opportunities over the next few years. So to summarize that, long-term property prices in the UK go up because of the supply and demand. And that's why the UK is a great place to invest. But please do remember, prices are cyclical. Although the long-term trend is up, prices also come down. And that's why people try and predict when's the best time to buy. Now, people often ask me, Simon, is there a particular hot spot in which I should be investing? And that's because they're trying to identify somewhere where there's going to be more growth than other areas. Now, I've never recommended hotspots and I'm never going to do that. And the simple reason is I could tell someone, actually, this is a really hot spot to invest now, but they might not take action on that information for maybe a year or two. And suddenly that place might not be such a hot spot. So I don't recommend hotspots. However, what I will do is give you a general tip that might help you identify areas that could be hotspots. 
And here's the tip. So listen very carefully to this. You want to invest in areas where the population is growing much faster than the average population growth around the country. And that means that usually the rent and the property prices in that area are going to go up because they've got this increasing demand for accommodation, which often cannot be met by the supply. Now, obviously, the reverse is true as well. And when you see population going down, that could affect property prices and property prices will calm down. This certainly happened to Japan in the past where many parts of Japan, the, the population migrated and they saw a big drop in property prices. So you've got to think about what's actually going to influence this, this demand. What's going to cause the population to increase? Well, there are a couple of things. The first thing is employment. People often move to an area because they have to earn money to live and they want to be close to work. So look for areas where they've got construction of infrastructure. Uh, for example, you might have big infrastructure projects, projects which for a number of years have lots of contractors in the area living there for work. And then once it's built, that infrastructure means access to that area is far easier. Also look for areas where they're building business parks and distribution centers. Again, these people need staff to work in these businesses. Or look for areas where they're expanding universities. You know, expanding universities means they're going to take more students on, which means they need more uh, people to run the university, more lecturers. But also there's going to be requirement from the students who need to live somewhere, usually very close to the university. And what about building new hospitals, which will create also a huge number of jobs as well. So what this means is anywhere where the population is increasing, you're going to have a requirement for accommodation. And if the population is increasing more in this area than other areas, thus property prices should probably go up more. You do need to look at the long term trend here. Um, I know I've got some clients in Australia. And Perth was an area that saw massive, massive booms because north of Perth were some really um, incredible uh, mining areas for natural resources. But and, and property prices were ridiculously high. But unfortunately, the demand for that accommodation was affected by the demand for the assets, the, the natural resources that were being mined. And when those markets collapsed, suddenly there was no demand for that accommodation anymore. And people had paid a lot of money for that. So be careful you're not being lured into the, the belief that you're going to get this super rent in this area and it's going to happen forever. It might only be temporary. So looking at, at supply and demand is really, really important. The next factor is the intention of the population. So are the nation as a whole, are they homeowners or are they renters? Now, this, of course, varies from country to country. But as you probably know, in the UK, we are a nation of homeowners. Most people aspire to one day own their own home. And there's a saying, a man's home is his castle. Now, this is not the case in many European cities. Take Germany, for example, where they are more um, a nation of renters, and that's the, the expectation that they have. Okay, so thinking about the intention of the population will also have a fundamental effect on the demand for accommodation. The third factor is the availability of finance. Now, intention to buy is all very good and people might want to buy, but if they can't actually get finance to buy, then they're not going to be able to.
So what happens in the mortgage and the finance market has a huge impact on the ability of people to buy property and so an impact on property prices. Now, this is one of the reasons that we saw the market boom all over the world in the mid 2000s because it was very easy to get finance. In the UK, towards the end of the 90s, they introduced buy-to-let mortgages and early 2000s, people started to become aware of the concept of owning a property in addition to their own home. And it became a really mainstream thing to have some rental properties. And with buy-to-let mortgages and self-certification, everybody, it seemed like everyone was buying rental properties. You know, the the, the taxi drivers, the, the waitresses in restaurants, everyone was saying, hey, I've just bought a property. And there was a sign that the market was getting a little bit overheated maybe. And also when it comes to first-time buyers, with self-certification mortgages, they were able to sign say, yes, I can afford to pay this mortgage. Now, actually, people were probably signing for borrowing they couldn't afford. And there was definitely some irresponsible borrowing and there was some irresponsible lending in the mid 2000s, which ultimately resulted in the global credit crunch. You know, one of the reasons prices came down in 2008 and 2009 was because suddenly it was very difficult to get finance. A lot of lenders reduced the loan to value. You had to put a lot more money in to be able to buy, which meant many people couldn't buy. And rates were um, reasonably high. They, they came down subsequently, but they were high and people couldn't afford it. And often banks didn't really want to lend because they just had such a loss in property. Some lenders just stopped completely. So as a result of this, because people couldn't get finance, even if they wanted to, property prices came down. Now, the next factor is the affordability of property. As property investors, when we buy an investment property, it's more about the income generated from that rental property, and that influences the amount of mortgages we can actually get, uh, far more than your personal income. Um, some lenders do want to see a £25,000 income. Some lenders want to see just an income. So it's not as important as the property itself on which you are going to be putting other people into. But for the majority of people who are buying property as their own homes, for those people, what they earn has a direct impact on the amount of mortgage they can afford. So when you look at property affordability, it's really comparing the average cost of houses compared to the average salary. And obviously, over time, the cost of living goes up due to inflation and wages obviously increase over time often more than inflation, but if property prices are going up much faster, it means that salaries are not keeping up and suddenly properties are becoming unaffordable because a residential mortgage for you to live in a property is normally based on a multiplier of your income. And if your income is not enough, well, it means you can't actually buy. So this has a big impact. And whenever a property gets too expensive, Again, one of the reasons prices come down is because people just can't afford to buy it at that high price. And then the fifth and final factor that has an impact on, on property prices and the market is the media and general public sentiment. You know, this has a huge impact on property prices. If headlines in the press, such as the recent ones by the Bank of England, say they predict there's going to be a 16% decrease in property prices, well, that means most people think, oh, I don't think I want to buy property. You know, if people think that prices are going to fall, they're going to say, well, I'm not going to buy now. Instead, I'm going to rather wait until prices go up again. Now, actually, that might seem like common sense, but 
Later in this podcast, when I talk about when you should buy, we'll see that's not really what you should do. You see, sophisticated investors, we realize that when prices are coming down, that's actually a great time to buy, as long as you know what you're doing. This is because when prices are coming down, sellers might be more prepared to take a discount. They might be prepared to sell at a discount because they wanna get rid of that property before prices come down much further. However, when everyone believes that property prices are going up, sellers will often hold on to their property hoping and expecting that someone's gonna come along and pay them more for the property just because the market's going up. So when the market's going up, sellers are less likely to be flexible on the price that you're gonna pay them. So it's important to understand this and recognize actually when market's coming down, that can be a better time to buy and get some really good prices secured. So to summarize these factors that influence the property market, number one is obviously the supply and demand. Then you've got the intention of the population. You've got the availability of finance, affordability of property, and finally, the media and the general public sentiment. Now let's think about social trends and how these have affected property prices as well. First of all, thinking about the change of social demographics, more people than ever before are now living on their own. Um, unfortunately, divorce rates continue to increase, you know, more than 50% of relationships break down and that means two people living together split up and need two places to live. So this all causes an increase in the demand for accommodation. But also, I wanna think about where people want to live. If you go back 20 years and look at the number of people living in city centers, apart from capital cities, of course, it's actually not that many people. However, over the last 15 years, there's been a significant increasing trend of people who want to live in regional city centers. Um, I've done this myself, I've lived in a city center, and for me, it was all about convenience. I could walk to work, I could walk to the local cinema, the local gym, um, everything was around me, and I had that lifestyle and convenience, and this is why living in the city center has become so popular. I've lived in the suburbs as well, I've lived in the city center, and I can definitely say city center is really convenient, I really loved it, however, I'm not sure that that trend is going to continue. If you think about it, people generally live in city centers because they're close to work, they're close to all the facilities and amenities, but the world and life is changing because of the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Many businesses are saying, well, actually, I don't know if we need to have these big offices. People are working from home effectively, they're scaling back the number of staff, and I don't think there'll be many as many offices required in city centers. And I don't know about you, but I went into uh, my local city, Birmingham, uh, just last weekend, and I was shocked to see how many retailers were shut and how many had, you know, whitewashed windows because they'd gone out of business. And I think, you know, going out, you know, I went out for a meal and there was social distancing, it just doesn't feel the same. So people aren't going out as much, and, you know, they can't go to cinemas or theaters right now. So. I think there's gonna be a change in this desire to live in city centers, which feels a bit claustrophobic sometimes. And I think we need to see more people wanting to maybe move out to the suburbs or out to the countryside where they've got space and they've got fresh air and they've got gardens for the kids to play in. And, you know, I think that 
I've never liked buying apartments. I have bought some apartments over the years. I've regretted genuinely doing that. Again, this is different from London. Um, but you know what? I've kind of found that um, if you buy an apartment, they're very popular for renters, or they were very popular for renters. They like to live in the city. Um, but not many first-time buyers actually buy apartments outside of London, this is. Um, if someone wants to buy a house to live in, they probably want a two or three bed house, big enough for kids and things. They want a bit of a garden. And so there's a limited supply of people who will buy apartments. And also when you have an apartment, you've got to pay service charges and, and ground rent and that affects your cash flow as well. So for me, buying houses is what I would always do moving forward. And I think there's going to be a trend away from living in city centers. So it's just my view. And I guess it really depends on how long social distancing, et cetera, continue. But I think it will have an impact. And then the final thing we need to talk about in this particular episode of the podcast is when should you actually buy? So many people are saying, well, Simon, if the market's going to come down, maybe we should wait till it hits the bottom, then buy. That would be brilliant if you know when that's going to happen. But as I've already alluded to several times, I don't know, you don't know, no one knows when that's going to happen. And when the general perception is the market's going up again, as I said earlier, it's going to be harder to get good discounts. So if you want to buy, I suggest you always follow the five golden rules that I share in Property Magic. If you haven't read Property Magic yet or you haven't listened to the audio, you should absolutely do that. And if you have, go back and read it or listen again and make sure you really understand the five golden rules. I'm just going to talk about rule two, three, and four at the moment. Rule two is we only ever buy in an area with strong rental demand. You've got to look at the area and say, look, is there going to be continued demand in this area? Rule number three is we only buy something that makes us positive cash flow. So after the mortgage, the insurance, the maintenance, the manager, all the costs, there must be money left over. Otherwise, do not buy that property. And then rule number four is we buy for the long term. So if you follow those three of the five golden rules, well, it means if you buy something now, it doesn't really matter if in six months time, it's worth a little bit of less because you're not selling it, you're holding for the long term. And you know you're gonna get good cash flow and you know you can easily rent it out, so it doesn't matter if we see short-term blips. So you might wanna think about changing your thinking. Sometimes people feel that if I buy something for this price and a year later it's worth less, I've lost money. Well, you've only lost money if you sell that property and you crystallize that loss. If you hold on to it and wait for it to rise, which we believe over the long term it will, then you haven't lost any money. And if you follow the golden rules, you've always been able to rent it out. You've always got a great cash flow. So holding for the long term makes real sense. So my view is, is now a good time to invest? Yes, as long as you know what you're doing and you should be negotiating good prices if you're buying right now. You need to work out your criteria. If you find a deal that meets your criteria and you've done all your due diligence, then yes, you might want to buy that property. Um, always, always do your due diligence. If you're not sure, you can just wait. But I've seen far too many people who've decided to wait and wait and wait for that right time to buy. And unfortunately, they never actually take action. And instead of building a property portfolio to make them cash flow and give them a pension, a legacy for the future, they just have the pain of regret of not doing it. So I hope this has helped you understand a little bit about the property market and how to see what's going on and how to find a good area to invest. 
and inspired you that now, as long as you know what you're doing, is a great time to invest. So if you've got value from this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you can give me a five-star review from wherever you download it from and say why you enjoy the podcast. The more reviews we get, the more people see it, the more people benefit from listening. So I'd really appreciate that. Until next time, remember to always invest with knowledge, invest with skill. Thanks for listening to the Property Magic Podcast. To get this week's show notes, please visit www.propertymagicbook.co.uk forward slash podcast. You can contact me via LinkedIn. You can follow me on social media. And I highly recommend you subscribe to my YouTube channel to watch loads of valuable property trading for free. All of the details are available in the show notes. Until next time, invest with knowledge, invest with skill.